Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jeff. And today, our guests are Mike Newlip and Mike Fontanetta from Insono. Uh, they've been doing some really, really cool stuff on modernization, and we wanted to make sure you had an opportunity to hear how they got started in this space. So first, can you uh, start by telling us your titles and stuff, Mike? <laughs> okay, which Mike? <laughs> yes. yes, that was a test. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, go ahead, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, hi, I'm Mike Fontanetta. I'm uh, the director of Insono Engineering. And I'm Mike Newlip. I'm an automation architect at uh, Insono. And, and what does Insono do? Insono is a managed service provider providing a full breadth of services across the, your uh, IT landscape. And, and you have a huge uh, number of mainframe clients, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we're second. We're second uh, in MIPS supported in the uh, MSP space. Uh, MSP managed service provider. Awesome, awesome. But you have a lot. Your customers have a lot more than just uh, mainframe, right? Yes, our customers. Uh, you know, we we support a lot of uh, large Fortune uh, uh, five hundred companies, Fortune one hundred companies, and they bring to us their not only their mainframe environments to support, but also their infra environments or distributed systems, and also their uh, cloud environments. And and uh, Mr. Lou, you've spent a lot of time uh, managing all of that other non-mainframe space for quite some time, right? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy that doesn't fit in. I've got almost uh, 30 years experience doing every other aspect of IT other than mainframe. And when did you start doing automation? Uh, we started uh, um, doing automation about three years ago. You know, just, just like every other company out there, it, it always seems to start with that build process. And, you know, when a customer gives you an order, says, I need 200 servers built, and I want them done on Monday, you got to figure out a better way to do that to keep your customer happy. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. how this whole thing got started. You guys got started on this path managing mainframe relatively recently, right? It seems like forever ago, but yeah, we, <laughs> uh, we started uh, on our project here back in October uh, of last year. Wow. So can you guys kind of talk us through how you got started in this space? Because I, I think it's, it's important for people to see uh, what it takes to, to get there. Uh, we started working on the mainframe enablement with Ansible uh, last year, as we mentioned, and we started working with the IBM team uh, to build out some repeatable processes across the enterprise. Uh, that's, that was the initial intention of that. We were focused on a specific uh, uh, discipline, which we chose with CICS. And we've been working on that and now expanding to deployment across the entire enterprise of Ansible. Can I, can I ask what, um, what led you to, to Ansible for, uh, you know, for your automation and everything? Hey, Jeff, I'll take that one. Sure. <laughs> uh, so at, at Insono, we have Ansible running on just about every piece of gear, every operating system, everything has Ansible on it except for Z. And when I heard 
that, uh, hey, IBM is saying maybe we should use Ansible for some of this, I, I, I jumped on that because I was looking through the, um, the IBM collection of, of Z uh, Ansible modules, and it's like, well, this is, this is cool. I have no clue what this stuff does, but, <laughs> but Ansible can do it, and here's the documentation, and it looks really good. And when Mike Fontanetta came to me and said, hey, do we have Ansible here? I'm like, you bet we do. <laughs> do and, we? And, uh, and, and we have a very mature Ansible infrastructure. Um, we have people that have been developing literally for, for years uh, on this platform. And the vendors support uh, not just IBM, but all the vendors. The vendor support's pretty good, so that, that makes it a, a really good tool of choice because you could go out and buy a new piece of hardware and guess what? There's there's dozens of Ansible modules for that piece of hardware handed to you on a silver platter by the vendor. So why would you do anything else? And when IBM did that for the Z platform, I got real excited. And then Mike came along and we were able to put two and two together there. Right. Yeah, when we, when we were starting to work on the Ansible environment, um, we were reaching out for some expertise. Uh, you know, initially with the Z team, um, and we found that, you know, they were willing and uh, eager to learn, but they hadn't had a lot of previous expertise. So when we discovered how much had already been accomplished within Insono uh, by Mike and the other in the automation team, uh, we quickly pulled him in and got his leader to sign up for, uh, you know, as much time as we needed. How hard has it been uh, to embrace Z as a as an Ansible guy? Has how hard how steep has that learning curve been for you? It's it's really not that bad. Z is um, kind of structured a lot like uh, the IBMI in terms of how the file system and, and security is done. And that's always a little tricky because. You want the Ansible account to have the same permissions as the person who's doing the manual work. And the purpose of automation, of course, is to try and get rid of that manual work and reduce human error. Sorting out the permissions was a little tricky, a little different. Mm -hmm. And and dealing and learning that new thought of how this file system works is, is a lot different than other operating systems. But once you get that that down, it's... it's uh, really not that bad. It's, it's uh, very similar to other operating system concepts. You know, you type something in on the keyboard, you get your output, maybe not always on the screen, but once you know where to grab that output and process it, it, it becomes uh, very much like any other uh, platform that Ansible is capable of supporting. So, Mike, whoop, whoop, I should, Mr. Fontanetta, uh, <laughs> how hard has it been to uh, to kind of connect what you've done for a long time with this kind of new automation model? You know, when I think about uh, how hard it's been to get started, well, first of all, most of the people we're working with are named Mike, so that that makes it a little bit complicated in itself. <laughs> Um, oh, that's just a nightmare. <laughs> you know, everybody turns and looks when they say Mike. Getting started with Ansible on the Z platform has been 
a little challenging from the perspective of uh, gaining acceptance and getting some traction uh, with the with the teams initially. Uh, once we completed our first IVP process and we were able to demo that for the a greater team, those walls all came down. And now we seem to be moving forward quickly. And after we were able to complete the, uh, the IVP process, the walls came down and everyone started to start moving forward with helping us move the projects and the initiatives forward. So I think we're picking up quite a bit of uh, traction and velocity with our projects. Well, let me ask this um, potentially career limiting question here. <laughs> uh, a, a lot of times when people say like, you know, we, we have a new solution that integrates with uh, this other solution. It's it's what Frank and I like to call it a stick pushing a button, and people are like, well, I can just, I can just push the button myself. Was there anything in particular that that people who are used to doing things, we'll say, a little more manually, saw happen through Ansible, where they're like, oh wow, this this will save me time, like right away? Yeah, I believe they no. Uh, yes, they did see a, <laughs> they did see a lot of benefit to the overall process of uh, you know eliminating the stick pushing the button process uh through the ability to have repeat uh, to have repeatability across their uh activities allows them to ensure that the systems are ready for the clients uh first thing in the morning uh-huh. it also provides them uh an opportunity to gain some uh some sanity back in a work-life balance perspective because now as they're starting to see the automation uh, develop, they can envision where as the script, as the playbook runs, and if there's an error encountered, it can open a ticket and take some action. Uh, so they might not have to be up monitoring the system uh, all night on Sunday. Oh, so it's even going as far as opening up a, a ticket for something that doesn't run right. Not yet, but it will. <laughs> th- no, that's I, I hadn't thought about that, but that, that makes all sorts of sense. Right. Yeah, it's an automation tool. So <laughs> you know, we 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 have um, some really nice APIs available to us for our ticketing system. Mm-hmm. So we've uh, one of our guys wrote some nice Ansible, Ansible modules to interface with the ticketing system, and we are in the process of taking all that event data from the mo- the various monitoring systems we have, and and keying on that data then to um, where, where all this is going is we're going to have that capability to see the event, uh, go ahead and launch a piece of uh, automation uh, to remediate that event, uh, test and uh, take all that data, dump it into the ticketing system, you know, because anytime we make a change or touch the system, we want to have a record of it. Right in, in in a ticket, and then test to see if our if our fix to that event actually solved the problem. If it did, go ahead and close out the ticket. If not, then go ahead and uh, forward that ticket to a to an L three or an L four engineer, along with all the troubleshooting we did ahead of time, so they can um, hopefully refine that process and whatever that failure mode that we didn't account for, we could then go back and add that into the automation test for that failure mode and, and, uh, improve it. So where this is going is, uh, 
a zero touch human intervention with with a repeatable uh, outcome. And, and you're talking about um, Z being the uh, initiator of that event. Do, do you see Z also being managed uh, from somebody opening a ticket? So there are two types of tickets and or three types of tickets in the ITIL uh, methodology. You've got your request, you've got your incidents, and you've got your change. So a monitored event will come in usually as an incident. Um, I could definitely see we're, we're actually working on this and we've almost got it, our uh, proof of concept complete, where customer can put in a request, uh, get the approvals um, through the ticketing system and, and do uh, some uh, self-service on their machines. Some customers choose to farm 100% of their environment out to us and we manage everything. Some customers want to retain some of that responsibility, usually within their custom applications, to uh, service their own application and either bring it up or down or whatever. We're building a facility for those customers to be able to self-manage the part of the system that they're interested in. And it just makes coordinating a lot easier. Having a portal for them to do that, which is backed by automation of whatever it is they want to do, that really helps us as a service provider gain insight to what our customers are doing. Because, you know, some customers will take that system down at 2 a.m. in the morning without telling you they're doing it. <laughs> now we're scrambling. Oh, my gosh, we got a server down. Um, only to find out that the customer did it and didn't tell us. So, you know, that's going to help us too. Another thing that comes to mind is that we have a, you know, for our Z clients, we have a, a roadmap uh, that extends out uh, anywhere between 6 to 18 months, depending on the client we're supporting. Those activities are being mapped out and communicated and gaining client acceptance on, you know, much in advance of the actual event occurring. So through the process of having this roadmap and having a clear understanding of the tasks we're planning to perform uh, weekend, weekend and week out uh, moving forward, we're capable of uh, opening tickets and staging the automation uh, to allow that to be you know, more automated uh, at, at each turn of the process. Yeah, one of, one of the neat things about the, the Z platform customers is I'd say Z platform is probably a lot more disciplined and they adhere to process better, which really makes my job easier as automation engineer because they'll have well-documented processes and that that's exactly what I need to take that manual process and then tur turn it into a piece of code uh, with Ansible. We should have recorded them saying that. Oh, wait, we did. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna bring that one up again. Um, so uh, th this next question is for Mike. Um, <laughs> what was it? How hard was it to get um, mainframers onto the thought that this that doing this stuff with Ansible is a good thing? Um, it, it started out a little uh, a little slow at the beginning. Uh, and, and I think what they needed to see was a little proof in the pudding. Um, you know, they had been doing, uh, doing things the same way for quite some time. 
Um, and you know, we were bringing something brand new to them in terms of a concept. It wasn't even a working prototype at the time. So as we were asking questions about how do you do X, you know, we're looking to understand how you're doing a specific function that's repeatable um, when you do an upgrade of CICS, for example. Trying to get uh, that information initially was a little bit challenging to get, and trying to get uh, some people excited about it was also a little, uh, a little challenging in the beginning. But you know, through a grassroots effort and uh, providing them an understanding of the building blocks that we were uh, building to, you know, put together something that looked and provided some amazing functionality, they've really turned around, and we seem to have a lot of interest uh, throughout the entire organization, uh, all the various disciplines in the uh, mainframe environment. And we clearly have the interest of leadership uh, and some clients, uh, some forward-thinking clients are also very interested in where we're going. Yeah. Some of our clients on the open system side have been using Ansible for years. And then when they heard that, hey, we're doing some proof of concepts on the Z, that indeed did pique their interest because because they know what it's capable on the other platforms we manage for them. Do you see uh, them playing a, a role in some of the automation activities? Or do you think that's something they're going to be pushing off to you guys? Well, the role that they play is is they're going to ask us to build things for them. Right. Uh, especially around self-service. Uh, we, got, we got a number of large customers that can't wait till we get some self-service uh, features uh, set up where, you know, we'll, we're building this customer-facing portal that they could, they could put in their request. It'll show up as a ticket. And then once that ticket is in there, uh, we're, we're going to be able to, we'll have rules in our ticketing system that says mm -hmm. things that land in this queue get processed this way with this piece of automation. So it sounds kind of cool that the, that finally in in your scheme of things that the mainframe will be an active partner in that automation activity as opposed to being the the thing after we've done all the automation stuff somebody has to go off and and key stuff in on a on a terminal somewhere. One of the neat things about bringing Z into the rest of the Ansible world is now we could say we got we, we truly can say we got ansible on everything and that opens up all kinds of um, processes that are that are cross discipline to where we could we we could have um, any kind of orchestration uh, product either call ansible and and make it be a part of you know a larger orchestration to i don't know one of our use cases is moving reports from A to B for whatever reason. It was always uh, difficult or overly complicated before, but now that we have uh, very specific modules designed to move files between mainframe and open systems and then process them and ship them off somewhere else with Ansible, that, that playbook may touch four or five different disciplines, but we're doing it all together cohesively. We don't have to have multiple products out there 
um, to do, you know, product A does this conversion, product B does this translation, and then, you know, store it over there. We could uh, do it all with Ansible. Ansible is the glue, in my opinion, that that ties the enterprise together when it comes to automation. Oh, I expect to see that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I got that on my cruise. You know? <laughs> so, so Mike, I have, a, I have a question right, right now. It sounds like you're using the, like the core Z collection. Are you, are you, I'm trying to like Venn diagram this out in my mind. Are you, are you primarily exploiting that and then using that to kick off existing scripts on the system or is it like general purpose automation and you don't, and you don't need to go much further? Um, than, than no, that? we, we, we definitely need the, the core Z collection mm -hmm. and we're dabbling with the CICS collection as well, uh, to, to better understand what our capabilities are. We're kind of early on in, in learning and mapping out the Z capabilities. Um, but the nice thing is since we're experienced with, um, you know, the day-to-day built-in uh, collection, you know, shell manipulation, all the, all the fun things you could do on the Unix side. Mm. Well, because, because Ansible actually runs in the Unix system services segment on Z, uh, anyone with a Unix background and with a Python background, the, those tools are immediately available to them and they could use their Unix experience to do, you know, script type of uh, operations within Ansible, and use some of the existing Ansible tools. The, 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 the piece, the interesting piece pieces of Z our uh, core collection are the file tra uh, transfers, um, being able to run TSO commands, because there's all kinds of neat TSO commands that you could literally just drop right into that TSO module and run them and then immediately parse the output and then see if, you know, you're getting what you want and make decisions based off that. We've done a couple of things with the console command to, to get output out of there too. So yeah, primarily the core collection, but I, there's a lot more than just the core collection out there and we're still in the process of learning uh, what our capabilities, but even with that small subset of just the, the core Z, there's so much that we could do. Well, because the, that collection has provided us the building blocks uh, to uh, take what someone has been doing manually or has coded into some Rex exec or some other exec, you know, some other process that they've been performing for some period of time, and we've been able to leverage the again those th that framework to do basically any function that uh, a person is is doing today. That's that's how we're putting this yeah. together. Now, now I I am working with um, one of our uh, Z operations person where they have some JCL that that they run on a system that does some job for them, but they're interested in it being triggered by an event from the monitoring system. Um, and they want this deployed everywhere, you know, not just where that JCL is. So once we get all our integration done with the ticketing system, I think that'll be real easy to store that JCL in the file section of a, of a, a repo and then deploy it and run it you know, even if it's not already on the, on the LPAR 
and you know be able to get the benefit of reusing their JCL without having to move it around and redeploy it everywhere. We could let Ansible do that piece. What's nice about that is that as we change that JCL or we change that code that's got going to be commonly executed across all the LPARs, we can do a push uh, from our AWX platform that Mike manages to the various LPARs uh, that need to have that new code deployed. Yeah, so just just the concept of having all your code in one place mm-hmm. in a JIT repository and being able to push that out um, is is kind of a, I don't want to say it's a new thing for, for the uh, mainframe guys, but I have noticed that, you know, this subset of servers here has this version of the code and this subset over there has that version and this customer has something, you know, custom, similar, not quite the same, you know, and we could, we could take all that code, put it in one place, put a couple, um, if then type logic statements into it to account for that Mm -hmm. special unique customer and then centrally manage it. Um, and I think from a process perspective, that is, uh, you don't have to have Ansible to, uh, be gain that function and take advantage of that. As, as we look to uh, automate our processes, we also want to look to improve them as well. Right. Because we don't want to automate bad processes. <laughs> One of the things that has come from uh, the, what Ansible has brought to us is we've had some internal IP that had been developed historically to push updates to the various LPARs we support. That was a, a need that was recognized long ago. Uh, but it required someone to step in and to interact with the tool to select what LPARs were targeted, what what code was targeted, and to do that all uh, through a, 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 an ISPF interface. Uh, what Ansible is providing us is the capability to uh, push on a schedule or to push on demand based on uh, defined criteria rather than it being a hands-to-keyboard, which, you know, um, has or could create a situation where the the new code didn't get pushed or, uh, in some cases, uh, pushed when it didn't need to be. So you guys are relatively new to this uh, process. What would you tell other companies that are thinking about getting started here? What what would be some advice that you would give to them to get them started? You know, I'll start with that. I, I think I would uh, advise them to start. You know, uh, you could wait for a long time uh, trying to figure out the perfect storm of how you're going to go about deploying this. Start with something very simple. Start with it, something basic, and but start. You know, the, you know, is if you sit and try to develop a overall arcing plan from start to finish, I think you'll uh, be waiting on the sidelines longer than uh, you should. Because as we talked about, we've been able to ramp this up between October and today, and there's been holiday breaks and other events that have occurred that we, you know, it hasn't been every week. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a pandemic going on. Well, <laughs> there's this thing going on, yeah, exactly. 
So all of that. But I think the starting uh, starting sooner than later is uh, the advice I would give them. Mike? Yeah, and go for low-hanging fruit. Right. You want to you wanna pick for your first dozen uh, automation jobs, things that are easily achievable, uh, will have immediate value, and that are easy to, easy to code. You know, don't pick something complex. Mm-hmm. Pick something easy to do. And then that'll provide you a building block to go and do your next automation. We should have started with something easy. Didn't think well, of that. I, I tried to tell you, man. We gotta... <laughs> Where are we? Where are we yeah. yeah. Out, of, out of the 50 automations um, that we could have done, you picked the hardest one, that CICF uh, automation. The one. We didn't pick the easiest one, that's for sure. Yeah. So we did... I. I actually did uh, a handful of easy ones to show a proof of concept that, yes, indeed, this tool can can do some uh, automation, and yes, we can do the CICS one. It'll just take us a, a little longer because you know we got to <laughs> gather the requirements, and and requirements aren't as straightforward on these large automations as they are in the small ones. Uh, the other thing I would do if if somebody if the bean counters get involved. And say, hey, we, you know, we, we, we don't want to waste time screwing around with this Ansible thing. Uh, I would suggest going through your ticket data and and seeing what repetitive things keep coming up mm-hmm. in the ticket data. And then, uh, again, of whatever list that gets generated of uh, high-frequency recurring tickets, pick the easiest one out of that list and then attempt to automate a resolution for that. Even if you don't incorporate it into your ticketing system like we're doing, just having it so that if you have a piece of automation you could launch to do this, mm-hmm. instead of maybe having a, a highly compensated engineer do it, you could then press the button and have someone on a help desk do that and make that part of their, their run book, mm-hmm. make that part of their response activity for this kind of a ticket is to run this particular playbook and in theory if it runs well it should resolve that issue so it we're also using it as a tool to push workload from the engineers down to the help desk and because we have more of those help desk people available to us in theory then that should be a better customer experience because we're addressing their issue that much quicker right and and I just want to double down on this point that we're we're talking about from October to we're we're in May right now. <laughs> uh, th- this is not like a twelve year journey. This is uh, you know a, a manageable amount of time for you know for 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 good results with nowhere to go but up from here. So uh, you know if. It could even land you a spot on on world famous terminal talk, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm just, you know I'm I'm impressed but not surprised with the, with the progress that's been able to to happen in this time and just you know every, everything that's happening sounds like uh, you know all the right stuff. Well, well, we I, I will admit that we were in a better position than most companies because we're not starting the program from scratch, a com- entire automation program. We had a we, we have a mature automation program. We're just bringing the Z component into the fold now, and and it's it's going to be great. You know, IBM 
keeps uh, updating the, the capabilities of the collections and adding more functionality in there. Um, I think they've, roughly every quarter, they, they've had patches to some of the collections mm -hmm. and updated them. And every time I turn around and look, there's something new out there. And, and I got to ask Mike Fontanetta, hey, what does this thing do? I have no clue. <laughs> we could automate it, though. You know, I, so I, it's it's been, it's kind of weird. It's like learning a foreign language. Um, how all everything works on the Z platform and I'm really enjoying it and want to continue my mainframe education to even get better at, at this uh, skill, this new skill I've picked up. And we're enjoying working with you, Mike. <laughs> and Mike Fontanetta well, is just sitting there with a mug that says, yeah, we can automate that. <laughs> I got that. Uh -huh. I got that. So, and honestly, when we sat down, and, and we, you can't understate the you know what Mike mentioned in terms of we had the Ansible environment already set up when we brought Mike to the party and we started understanding the scope of what his team had already you know been able to accomplish off the Z platform. It really. Uh, you know, made us feel like we had a great head start on the overall process. If an organization was starting from scratch with Ansible and didn't have, you know, Ansible Tower or AWX set up and already using those tools and have people in place that support that platform, it probably would take longer to, it wouldn't probably, it would take longer to get going uh, we were able to jumpstart with the work that Mike and team had already done in advance. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if you're starting a program from scratch, don't let it dissuade you. Mm -hmm. um, Ansible is very easy to learn. Uh, that That's one of the original reasons when we first started the automation program. You know, we, we had Chef available to us. Uh, you know, we evaluated Puppet, which which is, is, is a really good automation tool. But it, it, there's a steep learning curve there to, to learn it properly. Um, and Ansible, it's like, okay, install this, install that. Uh, write a script around the Ansible playbook command. And you could, you could literally go online, read a couple of uh, these manuals on, on the Ansible modules. And there's tons of tutorials out there. And you could start writing simple automations in a day or two. And uh, mm -hmm. then the AWX component, which provides your security and your auditing and your logging, which is kind of ramps around Ansible Playbook. Uh, it, that's, that's a little bit steeper, but it's really not that bad in the, um, in the big universe of middleware out there. You could get something stood up probably in a couple weeks and and make it be useful right away. We should play like name that tune on how long it would take you to get it set up from scratch. <laughs> yeah. How much of this do you think is uh, um, because of the fact that you have a crack team and how much is it is just because the tooling is, is uh, good? Good question. Um, I'd like to think that it's you know any any team could do this, but we do have exceptional uh, an exceptional team of individuals working on the project. Um, 
anyone who's in within the Owensona organization in the Z space that has heard about our projects and is interested, we've allowed to become a member of the team. Wow. Uh, you know, we've got someone now who's supporting it from the mainframe networking perspective. We have another person who's supporting it from a mainframe security perspective. You know, these weren't people we went and sought out. These are people that heard about what we were working on and dropped us a note that they were interested. And I connected it with their leader and asked for um, some of their time to invest. You also can't understate what Insono has been willing to put forward overall to making this happen. You know, they're making the time available for these people to uh, be part of this overall uh, process. They've been uh, open to the, the suggestions that we brought forward that this does have, this does have an opportunity to provide a, a savings opportunity from a standardization um, and a repeatability perspective in support of our client environments. So, you know, tip of the hat to the people who've stepped up to, you know, be a part of our program and also to Insono overall for allowing that to happen. Yeah, I'll, I'd like to add to that. It's always been my vision to take these folks who are in operations and turn them into automation engineers because this is, this is where the world is going today. Everything is, is being automated and uh, I, wanna, I wanna keep the, the, good, the good engineers I work with, I wanna help keep them relevant as the industry changes and I think this is a, a great way to do it. I mean, in the MSP space, it's it's a lot more difficult to do the automation because you have this uh, crazy heterogeneous environment where where every customer there, there's a lot of commonalities, but they all have their own <laughs> little unique thing that that's different. So, 100% standardization well, is impossible. And it, it may take longer than a you know say a mm -hmm. company in manufacturing to to become mature, but you know we've been doing it for uh, mm -hmm. several years. I, I think we're, we're 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 a little ahead of the curve in some people, and definitely in the mm -hmm. Z arena. So it, it's it's to be successful, you got to get your people who are close to the ground. Who, who actually service the tickets and do all the work, those people in operations have to be involved. You don't just want to hire a team of developers and say, <laughs> go write automation, because, because there's no context there. The developers will ask for requirements, and at that point, then you're spending a lot of time bringing the operations yeah. folks back in. So, so my thought was teach the operations guys how to do that and then just have, like, my team support them when they when they run into a development issue or a question about how something works and in that way we're we're empowering our employees to come up with ideas and be better and, and really this is how we've uh, gotten a lot of automation ideas it's directly mm -hmm. from the people that are that are doing that day-to-day -day operations work and we've had some really good outcomes uh, taking that approach. Well said. So we're coming up well well past actually the bottom of the hour here. I'm wondering if uh, one, uh, did you want to do uh, a quick plug for, for Insono? 
if you're listening out there and you're you're shopping around and looking for managed services, you know, we we are a really decent large size uh, multi-tenant, uh, not just any multi-tenant service provider, uh, but we're a hybrid multi-tenant service provider, which means we also support hybrid solutions um, where maybe part of it will be on-premise in an Ensoto data center. Part of it might be in AWS and part of it might be in the customer environment. You know, we, we do support those kind of uh, configurations. You know, you said decent, we're premier. We're, we're leading edge. <laughs> you know, what we do is we're, we provide a broad range of capabilities to help accelerate uh, digital transformation of organizations uh, and the businesses that you're performing. Offering mainframe and mid-range along with mainframe modernization and infrastructure management. Um, modernization, mainframe modernization is a key initiative to Insono overall. Uh, and we're working with our clients and our client, our client partners. We consider all of our clients our partners to help them move their uh, digital transformation to the direction that they, they're looking to uh, proceed. Uh, providing uh, some what we call Insono Flex. When organizations sign up with Insono, uh, they have the capability or the opportunity to shift their uh, their platform mid contract, and that, that that's a service or an offering that's provided to them. Uh, we're now offering consulting and advisory to uh, clients. Uh, is a growing part of our uh, organization and also application services is something that we're uh, moving forward with as well. And they can find you on insono.com, right? Insono.com. That's where you can find us. Awesome. Well, I, I want to just take this opportunity uh, to thank you, Mike, uh, for joining us and, and, and the other Mike too. <laughs> well, thanks, Frank. Thanks, Jeff. Nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you as well. Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.